Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Today's conversation, Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Back with hour number two of the Charlie Robinson Show. If you want to connect with my website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com, you can follow me on Twitter at macroaggressions. You can check out my podcast, Macroaggressions, in audio format wherever podcasts are served in video format over there at The Rock Fin. Well, I'll tell you, uh, we're going to have to have a conversation about the future of money because it's coming, whether we want it to or not. And I've had the pleasure of speaking at Anarchapulco on a couple different occasions and hanging out with all the speakers that are there. I always get a great education. And one of the guys that I've met on multiple times down to lovely Acapulco has been our next guest. He is the founder of the Liberty Advisor. You can check him out if you are somebody that is thinking that maybe you don't want to have all of your wealth tied up in soon to be replaced Federal Reserve notes or a 401k that's loaded up with a bunch of ESG nonsense. I'll tell you, Tim Pichote is your guy to talk to if you want to get your money managed by somebody that actually knows what's going on in the world. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Tim Pichote, how you doing, man? Good to talk to you again. Hey, Charlie, it's great to uh, talk to you again. Just one quick clarification. So my moniker, I'm known as the Liberty Advisor, but the company, I'm a financial advisor for Innovative Advisory Group. So just uh, since we're going to be talking about the SEC and they're the ones who have the uh, ability to uh, basically suspend my license, I just want to make sure that uh, <laughs> all the legal ducks are in a row and this is all for Let's get that straight. Only. Yep. I agree. Let's get that straight. Okay. He is known as the Liberty Advisor, wink, wink, but, but, uh, what yep. innovative wealth is, is the, is the company. Well, I'll tell you, you better be innovative when it comes to protecting your wealth these days because these maniacs in Washington, D.C. are coming up with new and outrageous schemes dev- devised to remove your wealth from you. Because I'll tell you what, if Klaus Schwab has it his way, you'll eat the bugs and own nothing. And, uh, um, your job, Tim, is to make sure that that doesn't happen. So I appreciate you. I, I mean, it's funny that we've got the, that that the the calendar shook out the way it did because we're in a situation where, I mean, just this week we've got Coinbase and uh, speaking of the SEC, with Gary Gensler, that scumbag over there, is he's decided to. Um, uh, go hard on the regulations against Coinbase and uh, Binance this week. It's funny. I wonder if g- going against Binance had anything to do with them not hiring Gensler a couple years ago to be an advisor. You know, he wanted that position. They didn't give it to him. So uh, maybe this is revenge payback. Never with our, never with our uh, entrusted SEC. They would never seek revenge against the average person, would they, Tim? Oh, no, they, they, they definitely wouldn't do that. But I mean, if we want to get into a little bit about who Gary Gensler is, I mean, he is he was I mean, a lot of people in the crypto space were just absolutely gushing for this guy. They're like, oh, my God, he taught a course on crypto at MIT. You know, never mind that he was given that uh, course by the head of their econ department, Glenn Ellison, who is the father of Caroline Ellison, who is the head of Elmeda Research, who was the girlfriend of Sam Bankman Freed. Uh, and you know, there's all this cozy relationship between FTX and the SEC. So one of the youngest partners in Goldman Sachs history at 30 years old. Then he, when he was there, he was working underneath uh, John Corzine. 
So John Corzine, of course, is you know is a Building Burdick Steering Committee member, uh, CEO of Goldman Sachs, former CEO, uh, former senator from New Jersey. Uh, then probably most famously stole a bunch of money from his clients at MF Global, and the uh, basically the regulatory watchdog at the time would would be the Commodities Future Trading Commission over MF Global's activities, which was run by Gary Gensler at the time. And guess who didn't get in any trouble at all? Didn't even get perp walk, didn't even get any, you know, nothing. Uh, John Corzine got in no trouble at all. And it was Gary Gensler uh, basically watching out for his, you know, main man over there. Uh, then, you know, Gensler left Goldman Sachs to be uh, assistant treasury secretary. Uh, you know, obviously, we already mentioned he worked at worked at MIT. And so for anyone who is holding out any hope that this guy is, you know, the the answer and they're like, oh, my God, this is so great. You know, I, I knew where this guy came from. And right now there is some corruption when it comes to uh, a, a Bitcoin ETF. And, and right now, not, not that that's the best way to hold it and not really necessarily advocating for that. But uh, right now there is a Bitcoin ETF, but the one that is approved currently is one that is based off futures contracts. So they're not actually holding on to Bitcoin. They're holding on to promises of paper of being able to get a Bitcoin. Now that's approved, but he has not approved being able to just hold on to Bitcoin and have an ETF that way. Again, it's just better to have one in a hardware wallet and not use this stuff anyways. But I'm wondering, is it just to maybe enrich his buddies at the CFTC because you can only get Bitcoin through an ETF that way? versus you know actually just holding on to bitcoin and so i don't know that's my own little conspiracy theory on that but we, we know you know oftentimes these uh conspiracy theories end up coming true and becomes conspiracy fact charlie yeah yeah and gary gensler didn't he manage uh hillary clinton's finance for her campaign as well you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't Fine. surprise me because it was Bill Clinton who gave him his uh, assistant secretary, uh, treasury secretary job. So, I mean, it would be, you know, sort of pretty fitting to, to go along with the timeline. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Well, listen, they hate the idea of our version of crypto, Bitcoin, Monero, the likes of that. They hate uh, you and I both watched Jeremy Kaufman give his presentation at Anarchapulco uh, from Library and Odyssey. And we know the struggles he's been in with the SEC. <laughs> I was talking to uh, I was talking to Jeremy about that. And he said, um, Jeremy Kaufman, CEO of Library Odyssey, has been in this battle with the SEC for years, spent millions of dollars fighting them. And I said, well, how does it get resolved? And he said, I don't know. I don't know how it ever gets resolved because I keep asking them, what have we done wrong and what would you like us to fix? And they refuse to I give think us they've an already shut them down. They've already shut down library. And so luckily there was a there's a library protocol, then there's library inc, the company, LBRY. And since there's a, a protocol like Bitcoin's a protocol that, that protocol is still able to run Odyssey, which is its own separate standalone deal. And so I believe Library Inc. is now shut down because of the SEC and their token you know, went to zero because they're alleging it's a security. And this is where all this really stems from with Coinbase is that the token you know, went to zero because they're alleging it's a security. And this is where all this really stems from with Coinbase is that uh, they're alleging that uh, basically all of these altcoins are securities. And so, you know, I'll take uh, some gumption to one thing you said about, you know, the government not liking Bitcoin. I actually think that they're trying to make it where it's a it's a, only a Bitcoin in a CBDC world, maybe have an Ethereum in there as well, because they can track 
Bitcoin. There's you know companies like Chain Analysis. Every anytime you send Bitcoin to another person, they know that this address sent this amount of Bitcoin to that address, and how much Bitcoin are in both of those corresponding addresses. So to some extent, I think they actually do like Bitcoin, and it's sort of a uh, sleeper cell to make it sexy to then usher in a central bank digital currency down the road. Uh, and then also have all these tech geeks, you know, develop the t the technology to build it out to then have the future enslavement. Because ultimately, Bitcoin is sort of like a gun where a gun can be used to save your life and defend yourself or it can be used to kill somebody offensively. And and just like blockchain technology, it can be the most freeing thing to humanity, having a decentralized financial infrastructure that can't be stopped, it can't be shut down uh, with privacy coins that can't be tracked, traced and surveilled. And so I think this recent move is a move to try to shut down all of the altcoins. But what it's going to do is it's just going to drive it underground. You're going to have more decentralized peer-to-peer -peer exchanges, which ultimately is the way, uh, the better way and how things should be going anyways. But what I see happening is these on-ramps and off-ramps to crypto are being shut down. But eventually... You're not going to want necessarily an off ramp because you know when you're in you know anyone that's in Zimbabwe is not trying to get their money back into the Zimbabwe dollars. I mean they'd rather no. have it in the Bitcoin, um, and so that's just my own sort of take on that. Is I think the government actually is basically trying to get rid of all of the competitors on all the altcoins, and and there are some other corruption of uh, you know Bilderberg has had some influence in. Bitcoin, where the Bitcoin core development was funded by this company called AXA, major French uh, insurance conglomerate. The former head of AXA, which was the head of AXA at the time, Henry de Castries, he was also, uh, you want to take a guess, the head of the Bilderberg Steering Committee. It was his company that gave, I forgot if it was 60 million or 70 or 80 million dollars to the Bitcoin core developers to then purposely uh, bog down the network to then come in with their own problem reaction solution which is uh, what we call this lightning network. Anyways, I've got uh, videos on that. That's a whole nother rabbit hole that's kind of probably way outside the scope of this. But it just gets to there is some corruption. And I obviously and I do believe, uh, you know, this whole push is really to try to make crypto seem sexy to then eventually bamboozle people into a central bank digital currency, because that has always been the dream is to get uh, the dream of the technocrats and you know power hungry people is to be able to get as much control as possible and uh you know they were obviously losing control with everything going on in the crypto space so now they want to shut it down they should have tried shutting it down uh you know like 12 13 years ago because at this point the cat's already out of the bag and the more they try to uh stymie this you know the i think the greater it's going to be because ultimately i think you're going to see and you had mentioned about uh myself trying to you know, help people keep their wealth. Well, a big part of keeping your wealth is not keeping the digits you see on the screen. Like, okay, you've got $500,000. Well, what if $500,000? The goal is after the Great Reset is not to uh, keep your $500,000, it's be able to keep the purchasing power that that represents. And because ultimately, I think there's going to be just a major, major uh, hyperinflation with, uh, you know, BRICS currencies coming online, other yep. you know, options and threats to the dollar. And uh, and really, one of the things that a lot of people, especially in the liberty community, I think are sort of missing the boat on is, you know, they're always fighting the last war. And that last war was, you know, whether you want to call it 2020 or 2008 financial crisis uh, or the dot-com bubble. 
what I the war more of the war that I'm fighting is going back to let's say Germany 1910. Their stock market was 400. Two years later, I believe it was around like 100. But then by 1923, it was 20 or 1924 it was 27 million. And so I think that is almost uh, the hyperinflation up in terms of a lot of the financial assets just going to pretty much infinity while priced in dollars. Not counting bonds, obviously, not counting cash. Uh, you know, those are going to be get, get completely left behind. But a lot of people are going to try to be really safe and keep all their money in cash, keep all their money in uh, bonds. And and if you wanted to do that in uh, Germany in 1910, they had a gold mark, and the gold mark collapsed into the Renton mark, and then in the Renton mark uh, was traded in for a trillion to one into the Reich mark, and then the Reich mark collapsed into the Deutsche mark. And so anyone that wanted to be in air quotes safe and keep all their money in the you know those german bonds you know you were wiped out four times german cash wiped out four times but if you had your money in uh you know some of those stocks that existed back then which you know not that i'm promoting any of these stocks but uh BASF was around back then company Siemens was around back then uh definitely not promoting this company and sort of really surprised they're still around but Deutsche Bank was around back yeah. then as a stock and so if you had money in those stocks they that represented something, but you know, at this point, it's it's way more than just the stock market. Like you need to be uh, diversified into precious metals, in my opinion. Do your own research. Uh, yep. You know, obviously, do your own research when it comes to uh, cryptocurrencies, and you know, don't get in over your head. And uh, you know, people are always falling for scams. Uh, but ultimately, keeping your purchasing power is what we're going to try to preserve when the Great Reset happens. And I think a lot of people are going to be caught out by this. Most people have no idea it's coming. I was recently, I actually wasn't that recent, it was October, I was speaking in Vegas at a uh, alternative investment conference for financial advisors at a crypto panel. And I asked that room, okay, how many of you have heard of a central bank digital currency? Now, this is at a crypto panel, at, I mean, at an alternative investment conference, so you're dealing with you know, not your average rank and file advisors, and maybe 10% of that room raised their hand and sort of wow. cheapestly that 10%. And so... This means their clients aren't asking them. And these are the people more, if there was ever a room of advisors who should know this, it would be the ones who were at a crypto panel at an alternative investment conference and they didn't even know. And so, uh, so many people are going to get blindsided by this. And it's going to be this. So, that's why all these different things that we see happening around the world, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, poisoning the food supply, whether it's, you know, creating all these different artificial scarcities with energy and the food and the water, all this is to bring about some sort of crisis to get people and it's going to be a cost of living crisis and you know the quote unquote help uh you know is going to be this universal basic income which is going to come through a central bank digital currency and then they're going to be able to shut you down stop everything you're doing that's why you've got the the head of the bank of international settlements Augustin Karstens saying you know how evil it is that people can have uh, you know, a thousand dollar peso or a hundred dollar bill, and they can trade with it, and they don't know where it's going to go. But with CBDC, they can have the power to track, trace, surveil, and shut you down. And uh, you know, and this is what they want to do. They want to completely lock you down. It's like the movie A Bug's Life. It's not about the food. It's about keeping those ants in line, and we're the ants. And that's exactly what they want to do. But but having Bitcoin and having uh, you know some of these other privacy coins, you're able to be in something that can't just be uh you know confiscated willy-nilly you know if you're holding on to it right because eventually all cash is going to be digital and i mean it pretty much already is and then you know overnight the fed can just say hey let's go print another 10 trillion dollars and then there you go so you know For it's sure. uh i think all the stuff with coinbase and everything else is trying to get rid of the other altcoins so then that way you have bitcoin and ethereum and then uh you know the cbdc then you know they could you know 
try to crash Bitcoin temporarily and say, oh, see, look, you know, it's too dangerous to have this. You know, here's a government version. You can't lose money. It's backed by the Treasury. And trust uh, us, yeah. <laughs> we're the government. We're here to help. I'll tell you what, every time I see Augustus Carson, I think, you know, if central banking were a person, it would be him, you know, of the head of the BIS, this big, uh, you know, Monty Python like character who's, you know, just one more mint, sir. It's waffa thin. Oh, God. More. I thought if it was like Tim if Taco P- Bell was a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's that too, man. It's crazy. Uh, more with Tim Pichot on the other side of the break. This is TNT Radio. You should hear what Steve Hook is talking about. An Air Force veteran is blowing the whistle on an alleged secret U.S. military program, which he claims has been retrieving craft of, quote, non-human origin, unquote, for at least several decades now. Now, the funny thing is, is when you talk about a story like this, uh, 50% of the audience rolls their eyes. The other 50% says, I knew it. I, I, I don't know where I come down on this, but this guy is highly credible. David Charles Grush, 36-year-old decorated former combat officer from Afghanistan. He filed a whistleblower complaint to Congress and the intelligence community inspector general on classified information that he insists proves the recoveries of partial fragments through up to fully intact vehicles that have been made decades uh, through present-day U.S. government, uh, its allies, and defense contractors. The bottom line on this, all this stuff is that once upon a time, it was like, well, we don't want to tell the public or the public because we don't want to sow panic throughout the populace. Okay, that makes sense, right? But that kind of became a catch-all, I think. At some point, the population starts to figure out, you know, there's a good chance we're not alone. And then you realize that maybe the reason they're keeping it so hush-hush is because of what this fellow's saying. They're reverse engineering this stuff. Steve Hook on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. You have the power of information. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We're back with the Liberty Advisor, Tim Pichot. We're going to talk about, I don't know, CBDCs, Bitcoin, all of this good stuff. Uh, You know, Obviously, I have my connections to Jeff Berwick, wrote a book with him. He runs the dollar vigilante, the crypto vigilante, and Anarchapulco. So if there's somebody out there that knows a thing or two about the crypto space, it's Jeff. And I've had a, the pleasure of, of talking to him for quite a while about the ideas of cryptocurrency, the concepts behind it. 
the need for it, the the future of it. And there's this temptation to 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 ask the question, well, what's it going to be worth? You know, what's it how how many what what's it what am I going to be able to trade Bitcoin in for? How many dollars am I going to be able to trade it in for? And and a lot of the guys that you talk to that really understand this market say, no, 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 you're looking at this all wrong, man. You're not going to be trading it for dollars. Dollars aren't going to even really be a thing anymore. Everything will be priced theoretically in Bitcoin, or you're not going to be looking at it as how many dollars can I get per Bitcoin? It's how many loaves of bread per Satoshi or or how many Lamborghinis or whatever. You're going to be comparing it to tangible assets as opposed to the US dollar. The US dollar is hyperinflating itself away, you know, after what we've gone through. So it was interesting for me to hear these guys talk about this, the future of of Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies such as that. What do you think the future of Bitcoin really is, Tim? Do you think we're going to get to a point where where the idea of at, at some point you mentioned Zimbabwe, the, nobody's ex, nobody's exchanging Bitcoin for Zimbabwe dollars, right? They're just not. Although they did just back a they did just release a gold back Zimbabwe dollar. But anyway, but you know, I digress. Typically, you're you're going into these assets not to ever come back out into the the one you just left in the place. So what what's the role of Bitcoin in the future? Uh, are we going to be just seeing it as as the currency that people exchange it, it, with Satoshis, meaning one one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin? Or, or are we going to see it as just always sort of on the outskirts as this semi-popular, relatively obscure to the world uh, cryptocurrency? I think had it not been for the invention of uh, Bitcoin and blockchain technology, that I would have such little hope for humanity right now, because ultimately the government, governmente, mind control, is the biggest threat that is out there to our liberties, to everything going on is basically either the government or the Federal Reserve, uh, all these big corporations through the World Economic Fund, which the, you know form. So they're all you know interconnected to one another. Now, when I first heard about Bitcoin, so some of you, uh, some of your listeners, maybe it's a you know, not maybe not the first time they've heard about it, but maybe they're not enamored with it. You know, I heard about it when I was probably about 50 cents and I was very skeptical because I just read the book Creature from Jekyll Island. I'm like, wait, you can uh, track, trace and surveil like, uh, like there's a ledger that, of, you know, where one thing goes to another. I'm like, this sounds like sort of like the mark of the beast. And so I didn't want anything to do with it. I'm like, hey, let's shut it down. They'll stop it. They'll make it illegal. But this was my understanding and maybe 2010 level of it and and now as a, because of myself getting basically shut down from facebook the week after the election in 2016 uh you know i was going from 1200 new subscribers a day to then neg then it was november 16 2016 boom got the ban hammer for actually having a uh fake news list go viral two months before trump even ever tweeted out the word fake news uh calling the left basically i can proclaim to be the first one on I don't even call myself on the right because I'm an anarchist voluntarist. But basically, the first one that wasn't a communist to throw that term back at the left the same day they, you know, threw it at basically everything I was reading. And then I realized, oh wait, they can I can spend all this time and energy, and they can just shut me down. And then I started learning about it was Ethereum, and then it was like, okay, with Ethereum, you're on a smart contract platform where you can build applications. And one of these applications could be, let's say, a social media platform. Not that that's like what the world needs. Like, oh yeah, another social media platform. I've gotten off all that stuff now, even though I was on it in the very, very beginning. But 
when when it comes down to it, it was about getting information out because I was sharing lots of hardcore stuff about you know Epstein when it wasn't really in vogue to be doing so and you know all this super hardcore stuff from you know probably a lot of stuff we talk about that you were able to share back then and it was all stuff that was true except you know talking about a lot of the true stuff gets you kicked off and so you know it was for me it was about being able to have that information being able to share it being and, and so i was very very optimistic right after the 2016 election i'm like man i i went on a standstill uh started reaching millions of people and my goal was you know it wasn't about me getting big or anything it was about hey what if i can convince and teach another thousand people just like me to get this information out you know this is how to make memes this is how to culture blast and and then you know that optimism uh, went away about a week later when i got uh you know over 99.99 percent shadow banned uh, immediately after that selection in 2016 almost before anyone else i knew uh at that point like i wasn't allowed to pay facebook i couldn't uh you know i couldn't even tag myself it was reaching like 30 people a post which was you know 0.00001% of like people following me were even reached and it wasn't but it wasn't about me it was about this is i have information that i want to share and now i can't share it and so it was on that understanding of ethereum and then realizing oh wait maybe in the future you could have a stock market that is built on one of these so instead of having to wait three days for a trade to settle or and then it became one day for a trade to settle it could trade it could settle instantaneously and so then you know all these big institutions then couldn't front run you uh maybe in the future instead of having the s p 500 uh you could buy all 500 stocks individually there's tax reasons of why you might want to do that without getting into all that and, and so i i was giving presentations on this stuff in 2017 2018 and i became very very uh you know optimistic about where things were going ultimately because of this decentralized technology but it was only because i got shut down and so as they try to shut down people like coinbase and binance and uh you know kraken's already had to pay now binance is the biggest exchange in the world number two is coinbase number three is kraken and all three of them are, are having sec problems right now i think kraken has paid a 30 million dollar fine um and so maybe they're not in as much trouble as the other two but ultimately they want to shut down the on and off ramps or just have their own people be the on and off ramps so like the chicago board of options exchange they have a regulated uh you know sort of like i guess we'll call it you know exchange uh, so maybe they just want to have their own insiders or you want to buy it through goldman sachs in the future or bank of america not uh not through like a coinbase type uh type arrangement and so ultimately i did get very optimistic about where things are going if it wasn't for having the ability to have peer-to-peer -peer communication that is outside the scope of government or outside the scope of the swift system or outside the scope of the bank of international settlements you know it's i would feel very depressed but it's not about a get rich quick scheme or hey because you know i hate all these guys that are like oh and just pumping up the price and everyone always comes to me when the price of bitcoin is super super high but most people don't want to come to me to either get in through like iras or roth iras when it's really low and the time when you should be coming now i was also promoting hey if you made a, if you put in you know a thousand bucks back in the day now i've got 10 million and you want to peel off a million or two and maybe start your own foundation to do some of the same strategies the big guys are doing uh you know I I did help people doing do that and then for doing that uh and trying to talk about that uh the company I was working for at the time the first time we met Anna Poco said right before I was about to give that presentation banned 18,000 advisors from talking about Bitcoin so I was essentially forced to resign 
lose a six-figure residual income, uh, put a ton of strain on my marriage that ultimately resulted in a divorce, you know, losing a house, doing all this different. So I'm not some guy that's out here trying to get rich off the backs of I've got a bunch of Bitcoin. It's, you know, I see the future potential of freeing humanity through this technology, but it can also be used to enslave us if we go down the road of central bank digital currencies. And so, you know, you know, having, you know, a little bit of your net worth into Bitcoin, uh, you know, maybe let's say 1%, if you don't know what you're doing and not into it, I mean, the market can go up and down 1% in traditional assets and a lot of the safest stuff, uh, bonds were one of the worst things to be in last year, because that's when interest rates go up, the underlying of values of bonds go down. Very obvious that at some point that was going to rear its ugly head. And, and in 2016, my very first podcast ever was on that subject. I had a question to make it to Janet Yellen in 2016, talking to her about what would happen when when ultimately this day comes. Well, that day was last year when the Fed you know raised rates you know nearly 500 basis points and wiped out the underlying collateral which is what led to all these bank runs and then i even predicted on video in a client webinar what the response would be and how the government would have what is now known as the bank term funding program or btfp is essentially the banks get to turn in bonds that have lost money to this special facility and then they get a hundred cents on the dollar back as a loan and so ultimately they can keep rolling over this loan until they get their money back so if you've got a million dollar bond 10-year duration bond rates go up one percent your million bucks is now nine hundred thousand rates go up two percent uh basically for every one percent rates go up the underlying value would go down by 10. and so rates go up five percent 10-year bond you're down 50 percent. and so a lot of the people got absolutely shellacked by this and this has been I, and I have this AI program where I can type in, uh, you know, certain phrases. And I've said it over a hundred times in podcasts, and I don't even put out like a ton of stuff. It's been like <laughs> the main thing I've been harping on. And so now, I mean, I'm getting into, you know, growing my own food and having, uh, you know, having chickens and, you know, preparing for when ultimately the currency goes down, not because, you know, I wasn't crazy because uh, I didn't know enough. I was crazy because I knew too much, according to the Gnarls Barkley uh sign of things yeah, and is yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> well it's funny man because like you and i were talking at anarchapoco in what 2019 and you had just come off of of your company they're saying like we can't, i had to leave they told me i couldn't talk about bitcoin i had to leave and we're we're we're, we're going that sounds crazy that sounds like that sounds like some authoritarian stuff you know that but but again and i wasn't an employee why. I was a contractor. I was a I was an independent contractor. It's like the bank telling you you're not allowed to talk about something. So I, this wasn't even an employee relationship. Oh my god! Well, look, they they understand. I think the power of this, and I come out of the real estate world, and and the idea of smart contracts being settled instantaneously sounds appealing to me. I mean, we know if anyone that that's bought a, a home in the United States knows the process. You go. You do the signing and then it takes a couple of days. You got to wait for wire transfers. You got to wait for documentation to get cleared and all this stuff. It just kind of takes a couple of days. Well, we'll give you your keys. Maybe it's 72 hours. You know, we'll, we'll, find, we'll tell you when, when everything is funded and ready. That always seemed like a really inefficient way to do business. But now we've got these options. We've got smart contracts. We've got... Uh, uh, smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain and we've uh, on the Ethereum network and everything that goes with that. We've got Bitcoin branching off and offering sort of services that can do the same thing. Now I'll tell you, Tim, if I were a government and I took a look at Bitcoin, now again, you can't, the government can't control it. 
And I think they, they just have to come to an understanding that they can't really control this. But the idea that everything is transparent, I would have thought that that component would be appealing to them. But apparently it only works if they get to control everything that just the transparency doesn't work uh, alone. It's got to be controllable. And so now we see this pivot into what we, you and I have been talking about uh, earlier, which is the central bank digital currencies. Now, this is we're, we're already seeing the, the media and the government try to blur the lines between central bank digital currencies, crypto and Bitcoin. Oh, come on, guys. It's all just the same thing, right? That's what they want you to believe. Well, they're not the same thing. They're very far from being the same thing. Crypto, Bitcoin is not necessarily just crypto. It's its own thing. And crypto is most definitely not just a central bank digital currencies. These currencies are programmable. So if if people think about the dollar bills in your pocket, what if the dollar bills in your pocket had some sort of digital Wi-Fi component to it and the government could decide whether or not those dollars in your pocket were set to expire at a certain date or 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 you go to use it at a at a at a place to buy a pack of cigarettes or something, and the cashier says, "Sorry, man, we can't take these dollars for this item. This is off limits to you. You you are not allowed to buy it with this dollar." So the idea of having money, smart money, but controlled by evil people, it doesn't appeal to me. What do you think the future of CBDCs are for America? I think a lot of what happened with the whole pandemic was just a way to try to have a problem reaction solution to get us into a CBDC. But luckily, because of people like ourselves pushing back big time, you know, to, you know, sometimes great personal expense of, you know, getting kicked off YouTube, getting kicked off all these different places, uh, you know, for trying to speak truth. They wasted no time at all. There's uh, a coronavirus stimulus offered by House Financial Services Committee was, uh, I'm trying to look at the date right here. It was March 23rd, 2020, just what, a week after the 15 days to flatten the curve. And then another bill in the Senate, yeah, March 23rd, 2020, about creating a digital dollar. And then I don't know if a lot of you remember the uh, you know the $1,200 stimulus payment we had in America, but the very first a part of the CARES Act, the very first draft of the Maxine Waters legislation called for a digital dollar to get your $1,200. So that was what, what we would refer to as a trial balloon. And since I was one of the only people that complained about it, it ended up uh, you know going on. And then you know June 11th, 2020, they had uh, you know the, uh, the House Committee on Financial Services you know had a whole bill to improve delivery of stimulus payments and you know what's their improved uh, way of doing it? Oh, through digital currency. And then you can even go into you know guys like uh, Klaus Schwab, his book The Great Reset, page seventy-two to seventy-five, is called the fate of the U.S. dollar. And you know ultimately you know how the dollar is it's an exorbitant privilege that we're able to be the world reserve currency and print all this money and uh, but eventually and, you know in the book he talks about how unsustainable levels of debt will eventually erode confidence and uh, you know if the U.S. dollar were to weaponize it for geopolitical purposes that could help incentivize other countries getting off the dollar oh the U.S. they would never weaponize the dollar the dumbest thing that the U.S. has ever done which this is you know it's pretty hard to narrow down to the dumbest but. By kicking Russia off the SWIFT system and kicking them out of the banking system, you know that will probably be uh, viewed by historians later on as the thing that you know eventually either started World War III or um, led to the ultimate demise of the dollar. Because if you, you know, that ultimately in the long run, five D chess that is hurting 
and I hate saying like America, like, you know, we're all America or something, but the US, right. you know, hegemonic empire, it's going to hurt them more than anything. But is it really hurting them? Because maybe it's a way to collapse it. So then that way, usher in this new thing. But yeah, Klaus Schwab had a book and, and, you know, the Great Reset, and it was, and had an entire subsection on the fate of the US dollar. And so they've been, there's bill after bill after bill that they've been advancing. You've got, uh, you can go to the Atlantic Council website, and they've got this whole different chart of all the different currencies, currency blocks out there. And it's like almost every one, I think, except for 12. So the EU would be like one currency block, for instance. And ex besides, you know, a couple little countries in Africa, uh, and maybe a couple Caribbean countries, every single currency block is actively trying to explore this. And then you've got, you know, things like the World Government Summit, where, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab is, you know, giving, a, you know, opening address and the very next, the very next, uh, committee that's talking is you know is is entitled are we ready for a new world order that's the head of the atlantic council giving that and it's the atlantic council who has all the cbdc tracking stuff on their website and you had talked about uh you know luke radowski and i had a episode a couple years ago actually in 2020 like march or april 2020 i think it was called digital weaponized programmable money because you know china was already you know, floating out different ideas of how they would say, okay, we'll give you some digital dollars, but you know, you've got a uh, you know a month to spend it, or here's what you can spend it on, and you know, and ultimately that is where things are going. And they, China, was having a lottery in order to get people to sign up for it, but it wasn't even a lottery of like, oh, you're going to win, uh, you know, five hundred million dollars. It was like, oh, you can win uh, free laundry for a year, and uh, you know, and so people are selling themselves out for free laundry and like. 30 bucks or something. And so not even hey, man, feed. people did it for people did it for a Krispy Kreme donuts for a year oh for vaccines. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean yeah. At least in China, you get your laundry done. Yeah. I'm like, and, they, and then, you know, there's always a saying before of like politicians giving us chicken feed. Well, I've come to realize now that I'm raising chickens, especially if you're doing it organic, the chicken feed is actually really freaking expensive. So, you know, I would like some <laughs> of that chicken feed. And the other thing I realized is now that I started gardening, the dirt is also super expensive. So what what happened to the saying dirt cheap? I mean, yeah, go try finding like actual nice dirt. It's like super expensive. So it's funny that like all these sayings like chicken feed and dirt cheap is like, well, you know, I don't think those sayings even apply anymore. Uh, even and then you got inf things like, inf inflation even got to our stupid little sayings. Price them out. It's funny. Yeah. And so anyone doesn't believe me, you know, you can raise them on your own. Now you can, I'm sure, get it a lot cheaper if you want to feed, you know, yourself as a bunch of uh, meat uh, that's been fed by soy and GMO products and sprayed with Roundup and glyphosate. But, uh, but yeah, there's all, the, I mean, the Fed has a, there's, they have an entire white paper on their website that's been there for two years on uh, implementing a CBDC. You've got a, this whole digital dollar project digital dollar foundation uh last march uh 22 you had an executive order on ensuring the responsible development of digital assets and of course you know how they can make digital assets you know more inclusive and more diverse and you know that oh, you know they're always doing things like that and, and meanwhile yeah, they're trying to set up a digital dictatorship that's what is going on a digital dictatorship to control everything to be able to shut people down and there's lots of, and i know that might sound uh a little uh you know a little bombastic or maybe like a headline grabber but it's absolutely not and even what Yuval Harari Yuval Harari had a uh one of his presentations he had a little thing a little pop-up uh Microsoft window that says uh, warning digital dictatorship risk ahead and this is in one of Yuval Harari who's you know Klaus Schwab's main right hand man you know who he is so 
yeah. and it was also he's also the author of Obama's favorite book, Sapiens. Uh, you know, so it's it's this is absolutely coming. We could spend, you know, we could give an entire filibuster on the proof. And it's just whether or not what are you gonna do? Uh, and, you know, I decided to, you know, basically have to ramp up my business to be able to get enough money to move on a homestead to be able to raise my own food because I think they're going to mess things up bad enough that that is going to be what you're going to have to do to survive all this and you know you can you know take that warning seriously or not but you know I'm putting my own money where my mouth is I'm uh you know working just as hard every day on my business as I am on you know trying to get you know my own self-sufficiency going and you know what I think everyone who is a thinking person who has been studying what's going on would be trying to put themselves in a similar situation or getting themselves in a similar situation or creating relationships with people to be able to go into something like that because it's going to make 2020 seem like a walk in the park when eventually the currency goes down and uh yeah, yeah. I, mean, I hope i'm wrong and worst case uh, I, uh, scenario is i've got healthier food i mean yeah I hope you're wrong too, but we know one thing. We know that the government wants people to be dependent on them. They do not like self-sufficiency, whether that be with regard to homesteading or your currency or whatever it is that you're doing. If you have the ability to remove yourself from the government, you should uh, take that opportunity every chance you get. The, the, least, the less dependent you are on the government, the better off you will be moving forward. But I'll tell you what, Tim, with regard to this CBDC uptake internationally, there is one bright spot that I saw. Nigeria, which has had issues with their currency in the past and has moved over to a, a large percentage of their population transacting and holding their wealth in Bitcoin. They rolled out the Inaria, the CBDC for Nigeria, a Nigerian-centric central bank digital currency and they rolled that out to the general public and the good news is that only one half of one percent of the entire population showed any interest in it they had major problems getting traction i use this as an example because i want to make sure that people don't feel hopeless when they think about the idea of central bank digital currencies coming into the market and and us being forced to 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 take them, they will sell it to us that there is no way around it. But we all know there's plenty of ways around this. If the one thing that we know about the government is that they will screw it up. So we have that to look forward to. More in a final segment with Tim Pichot, the Liberty Advisor. After the break, this is TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Last Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley participated in another CNN town hall event. According to Mediaite, Donald Trump's town hall with Caitlin Collins last month brought in about 3.3 million total viewers and 780,000 demo viewers between the ages of 25 and 54. That's more than five times the average primetime audience that CNN had during the month of May. Haley's event, moderated by Jake Tapper, brought in 562,000 total viewers and 136,000 viewers in the demo. An 83% drop in viewership in total audience compared to Trump. Fox News 
doubled the Haley Town Hall. It's kind of sad, really, yet most telling. Nikki Haley, a former governor and U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, she's vibrant, attractive, and polished, in addition to having a lot of good common-sense ideas, and yet Trump's audience blew hers away. By the way, believe it or not, according to Yahoo News, CNN's 2020 Town Hall with Joe Biden remains the network's most-watched single-candidate town hall with nearly three and a half million total viewers. Go figure. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg for TNT Radio. Challenging the consensus and debunking the narrative, this is Viewpoint. In a news release from the 30th of March 2021, the World Health Organization announced that 25 heads of government and international agencies had issued a joint call for high-level political action to protect the world from future health crises. Ominously, world leaders said the international community should work together towards a new international treaty for pandemic preparedness and response to build a more robust global health architecture that will protect future generations. There will be other pandemics and other major health emergencies. No single government or multilateral agency can address this threat alone, the leaders declared. The question is not if, but when. Together we must be better prepared to predict, prevent, detect, assess and effectively respond to pandemics in a highly coordinated fashion. The COVID-19 pandemic has been a stark and painful reminder that nobody is safe until everyone is safe. The Prime Ministers of Italy, United Kingdom, President of France, Chancellor of Germany, President of Ukraine were among the signatories. If you can't believe what you're hearing, get the straight talk from Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Final segment of the show. Thanks for hanging out with me. We've got Tim Pachote, the Liberty Advisor. Tim, what's the best place for people to find you, to find your work, your podcast, to maybe reach out to you and talk to you about some financial service planning? Thanks, Charlie. So if they head to thelibertyadvisorshow.com, that's the best place to find everything. And it'll have a link to the financial site, which is the Liberty Advisor. Now, as I mentioned at the very start of the show, uh, because of SEC rules, I had to, uh, at one point, the Liberty Advisor was its own standalone thing. But then all these SEC rules, I had to separate them out. So the Liberty Advisor Show is where, I, where you can find all of the uh, good propaganda that I put out. And, and I actually went about a year not putting out anything because I was trying to take all this seriously enough to be able to get in a position of having the homestead and getting all this ready. So, you know, I didn't want to be one of these guys just out here complaining about everything. I wanted to actually uh, go out there and do this, do these things myself. Now, what I'll tell your listeners, if they want to go and sign up for my email blast, now I, I probably sent like maybe 10 out like all last year. So you're not getting spanned every day. Uh, I will send out, let's say in a week from now, the 2019 crisis retiring presentation that I gave at Anarcha Poco that is pretty evergreen. And I don't think there's too many people that could give a financial presentation on, I mean, it was called crisis retiring. And so, you know, obviously now we're in, you know, numerous crises at once. And I doubt there's very many people that could have a presentation about finance before 2020 that is still valid after 2020 on, you know, different ways to uh, essentially have your net worth and have your uh, you know, life designed. Now it's going to be different if you're, and this is really kind of designed for that person that's maybe, uh, you know, 10 years away from retirement or maybe, you know, in retirement already. Um, not necessarily, you know, all this stuff's not necessarily super pertinent for, you know, someone that's like 30 years old, but you know, there's elements hey, but of it. I, 
I saw the presentation. I was in the audience. I watched it live. It's worth it, man. People need people need to check that out. It's you know, it's funny, Tim. It's like when we talk about these things, we sound crazy. You know, when you're early, you always sound crazy. Now it feels like you had a DeLorean and like went into the future and saw what was happening and re- came back and reported on it at a Well, it gets better with 2020 things- with 22 20- 2020 Anarcho Poker presentation, it was again on uh, finance, but the very end, I'm like, hey, I just want to throw this in there. And I gave the rationale for why the election was going to be stolen from Donald Trump. And I even put the states that would be stolen on a PowerPoint ahead of time in February. And the only state I missed was Georgia. And I even said why it didn't work in 2016, why it was going to work this time. And I also have one of the very first videos I ever put out ever was September 16th, 2016, saying I thought Trump would win and they blame it on the Russians and why they blame it on the Russians. And so I don't know a single person that has both. But the only reason I'm saying that now boastful is because I took so much crap from so many different people of so like pissing off a lot of people uh, saying all this stuff. And so uh, and so, you know, you never get any credit when you're uh, that far out ahead of. And it's not about credits is right now. I mean, I also had masks going back to 2013 over 195s and then didn't use any of them for the pandemic, the whole scam that was going on. And uh, and I also thought coming back from that last 20, the 2020 Anarchapoca, the last time I was there, I decided to throw a mask on just to be a jerk to the TSA uh, to get my global entry pre-check interview. And uh, and they were got so pissed off at me, maybe take the mask off and uh, I have it on <laughs> video. And then YouTube took down the video. And then I then I also then didn't wear a mask in July flying and they were pissed at me for not wearing a mask. And the next time I flew, I wore a gas mask and they wouldn't let me on the plane with a gas mask. I'm like, what is it? Like first you got mad I had one, then you got mad I didn't have one, then you got mad I had too good of a mask on. Uh, and so it's like these people are just a bunch of clowns. But now the most obvious thing that is going to happen is going to be the central bank digital currency. They're going to shoehorn it in somehow. You even you can take it back to James Warburg, who is the son of Paul Warburg. Paul Warburg was uh, modeled after uh, you know Annie, the play Annie. He was Daddy Warbucks. And it was his mm-hmm. son who was also, he was the creator of the Federal Reserve System. It was his son who was the head of the uh, finance banking committee, also head of the uh, uh, Council on Foreign Relations in 1950 said, we shall have a one world government. It's only a matter of consent or conquest. And so what they want to do is they want you to beg for your own enslavement. And that one world government is going to be the CBDC, because if you can, it's not about, you know, countries, it's not, a, it's about the money. And so if they can tie everyone's money together and first you'll probably have, you know, you'll have the dollar will be its own standalone thing. The euro will be its own standalone thing, or maybe all these different countries have their own standalone CBDC, but then that will get tied up into a supernational currency like the uh, special drawing, right? I mean, that's a whole nother subject right. in and of itself. But, you know, all this stuff is just so obvious to, you know, someone that, you know, spends all their life, you know, thinking about this and what to do. But, you know, it's not to put you anyone in a fearful state. You know, I'm not in a fearful state right now. I've prepared myself for a long time mentally, physically, financially, spiritually of what is going to come. And anyone, you know, is invited to do the same. But, you know, if you, anyone that wants to take this with a grain of salt and thinks that we're just, you know, making this stuff up, there is ample proof that the CBDC is on its way. And, uh, you know, people perish for their lack of knowledge, obviously. And I don't know how any more obvious it can be at what is coming at this point. 
Tim, I have this in this vision in my head of like a, a, a dystopian future where they say, well, you know, the the Christmas spending numbers came in and uh, they just came in and they were down way below where they normally were down 17 percent below normal spending. And that's just been a catastrophe for real retailers. So because of this. We have made the decision, we at the Fed, uh, that we are going to set a portion of your CBDCs to expire in the next 90 days as a justification to increase the velocity of money. So get to spending. You don't want to get nothing for your for your dollars. You want to have your digital dollars. You, you, you better get something because they're going to evaporate when the clock starts right now. So I, I, the idea of programmable money is a is is not is a non-starter for me. But especially when it's in the hands of known psychopaths who are trying to build a one-world government and use a digital currency as the funding mechanism for this, it, it the everything is lining up for those that choose not to see it. You do so at your own peril, man, because the the evidence is everywhere. And Tim, you you've talked about this. Uh, let's wrap up with this. I mean, you you've you've gotten yourself as prepared as you can financially. And we talked about the homestead. You and I were, you were on our union of the unwanted show this last Monday night where we did the topic on homesteading. We had Joe, Joel Salatin who'd been on Rogan a couple of times came in and explained his, his process for all of this. How has your life changed since you've started growing your own food on your homestead in Arizona? I'm still sort of new at all this. So we've got the chickens, you know, we've got 30 chickens are up. My girlfriend and I, Tina, we're, they're, uh, you know, doing great and running around and, uh, we've got six of them so far are laying. The other ones should start laying probably in August. And now the bigger thing is we got the garden that where the garden is going to be for the chickens and then, uh, have got plans for a greenhouse and already have, you know, a lot of that already up, but you know, it, it's been a whole lot of prep work in order to get to this point. And we just actually since that episode, I've had four, uh, gigantic loads of, uh, mulch delivered. And that really is like one of the keys. If you don't have great soil is you can go to these different gardeners. There's websites you can go to where, you know, these gardeners have to usually pay to go drop off, uh, these, uh, loads of mulch and, and instead they can drop them off in your yard if you've got the space. And so and that seems to be like one of the keys from a lot of these guys of like information that I've gleaned off of, cause I've got a lot of, uh, I mean, luckily, uh, a lot of like influencer friends in the gardening, uh, homesteading type space. And so I kind of lean on what other people who are experts in this tell me. Uh, but you know, one other quick thing I do want to bring up is, you know, you'd mentioned Nigeria. So Nigeria, uh, you know, people have wholeheartedly, uh, resoundingly rejected their, uh, I forgot how to pronounce it, their Enaira or whatever it's called. But what Nigeria did is last year they decided, okay, well, you can only withdraw uh, like eleven hundred bucks a week if you're an individual. I think two at one point it was two hundred twenty five dollars, and they raised it, and then they raised it again for businesses. I think can withdraw eleven thousand, but I think at one point that was also like a thousand. And so you could see where it's going. Of hey, you want to yeah. take out more than uh, two hundred twenty five bucks? Boom, you know, ten percent tax on you. And so that is, I mean, they really help provide. So they're trying to force. Uh, this behavior, just like, you know, you've got Larry Fink at BlackRock, you know, how they're going to force this behavior. But ultimately, you can't force my behavior if I'm on uh, my own property with my chickens, with food. And, you know, as someone that has been ahead of the curve on a lot of things, you know, I suggest other people get themselves. And, and the chickens are super easy too, like way easier than growing food. You can, I basically have it on like an autopilot program where if I didn't want to, I could probably go like weeks without even having to uh, do anything out there just because of, of how I've set things up 
uh, out of the get-go. So, you know, I just think it's a good hedge. Uh, if nothing else, I'm getting super clean food. And, you know, because all these terms have been bastardized. If people say grass-fed, okay, you could be in a cage and you get one piece of grass over your life, and that could be grass-fed. You were fed a piece of grass. Yeah. I mean, all these terms, organic, everything, everything's been bastardized. I'm sure that's no, uh, you know, surprise to you or any of your listeners out there. Uh, but yeah, we see all, all this stuff coming. It's just whether or not you see it coming and you're doing something about it, or you want to say it's coming and say, I told you so, but, you know, end up in the FEMA camp with, you know, without any food, just like everybody else. So, you know, I've... Well, I'll be your decided. cellmate there, Tim. Uh, I'll tell yeah. you what, you, uh, you, you, we can be bunkmates in the FEMA camp because I'll tell you, neither one of us is going to participate in this nonsense, but I appreciate you coming on giving us the lowdown on everything. Get ready, people. You don't necessarily have to get yourself some chickens, but you got to get your money out of the banks and start thinking about that. Big thanks to our first guest, Mark Gober. Check out his stuff, markgober.com, and to Tim Pichot, the Liberty Advisor. I will catch you all next week. Do me a huge favor. Don't burn the place down while I'm gone. Take care.